Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the How to Become a Personal Trainer podcast. We are your hosts, Mike Vacanti. My name is Jordan Syatt. And in this episode, we take a different direction and we talk a lot about obsession, but probably not in the way you might think. We talk a lot about obsession and how to use obsession in a healthy way to achieve your goals and maybe eventually help your clients reach theirs too. Enjoy. Hello, Jordan. What's going on, Michael? How you doing today? Excellent. I think I just had the best week in the last nine years of my life. Jeez. Why? I think it's because of weightlifting and tracking macros. <laughs> and you've been meticulous uh, with it. it in, in all seriousness, I, I do think that's why. I, I uh, yeah, I was just dialed in all week for the first time probably uh, nine years ago is when I quit my accounting job. Right. And I'll never forget that feeling of walking out of the office and like feeling legitimately free from the chains of corporate America. And, and I feel like that feeling has been replicated here as a result of four upper body days and one lower body day and like actually planning out my food and tracking every day, going to bed at about the same time, waking up early and doing work in the morning. Like, I don't know. I feel like I haven't strung a week together like this in a decade. You are on the regimen. I'm, I'm finally, after 10 years, on the regimen. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And I'm assuming like the environment where you are, sun every day, like walking outside barefoot helps too. But like the regimen you're on is just like, it's amazing. There, there are so many things that are uh, more outside of my control that are positively helping me, that I'm benefiting from. The time of year, the location, you know, being in Minnesota, having nature, the people around me. Um, yeah, definitely. But the, the decisions that I've made, and it's really just a handful. It's like making the decision to get up early, making the decision to take every rep of every set seriously in my training, like not be on Twitter, not be on YouTube, really lift like I care and, um, you know, limiting caffeine to a reasonable amount, getting enough sleep and, and having my nutrition in a good place. So you haven't been on your phone at all when you're training? Um, taking notes on my training. Wow. <laughs> you're really on the regimen. You're like in your, on your phone in your like notes in your phone, like taking note of how every set felt and everything. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm logging every set. And then I'm also, if there's something like something felt weird, something felt good, go up next week, like light dialed form, I'm, I'm taking notes. And it's, it's not because I want any end result other than the, that feeling to bleed into other aspects of my life which it has, like it has for whatever reason made me more regimented with replying to client emails, you know, in a certain window of the day. It's maybe more regimented about stopping working at a certain time of day. It's, yeah, it's, I feel really good. That's huge, man. That's great. I, I remember, I remember the last time I consistently had a workout notebook and mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. every single set I would take a note of, 
felt like my foot was too turned, it was too externally rotated, that felt fast and explosive. I'd write in all caps like great job or like you suck, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I had stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks of these just like uh journals, handwritten journals of just my workouts for years and by far best time ever lifting. Like be- best my lifting ever was, most progress I ever made. Absolutely. That's awesome. Are you like reviewing those notes? Like, so week to week, like you're gonna be looking back at the notes being like, okay, so this is what I did last week. Like we're trying to, or is it more just the practice of it? It's the practice of it. I mean, that would be good in a perfect world, but the purpose isn't to, you know, absolutely maximize strength or muscle gain or anything along those lines. It's Olympia 2021. (laughs) (laughs) i'm also five days in like so who knows what next week's podcast will will sound like but for whatever reason i think i i think i fell into some kind of trap of thinking it was uncool to really care about my own fitness or thinking that because I could get away with half-assing and maintaining a certain level of aesthetics and mobility and feeling okay, that doing enough to get by was the right strategy. Mm. Um, you know, and, and the thing that I think people need to realize, coaches especially, is that a lot of us coaches who got into fitness because we really like fitness, we don't necessarily need to treat ourselves like we would coach a client, right? Like I really enjoy working out. And so programming myself some minimal effective dose just to get by to make a lot of time for other things doesn't necessarily make sense for me. And, you know, for whatever reason, Sunday night, I was like, okay, I'm going to go push, pull, leg, push, pull this week. And um, and here I just made macros. I was like, this feels around maintenance, recompy, you know, my volume's going up. I'm taking things more seriously. I'll probably lose a little fat, build a little muscle if I keep this up for any amount of time. And um, yeah, it felt really good. It's so funny. I was, do you know who Zach Evanesh is? I know the name. He's a, I followed him from when I was in high school and he's a big, he's like the quote unquote underground strength coach. Uh, he was huge back then. Uh, I think he still does have a pretty big presence, but I remember when I was in high school, I've, it's interesting to note like the, the back and forth that I've had with the fitness industry. So when I was in high school, one of the things I loved about him was, I mean, he's just a no nonsense, no BS. You go in, you train hard kind of guy. And he's big with like wrestling, grappling, high school wrestlers. It's why I followed him. I wanted to improve my uh, strength and conditioning for wrestling. I actually applied for an internship with him. I emailed him and he said no, but <laughs> either way, um, I, uh, I remember one of the things I loved about him and his emails, I used to get his emails all the time was he would like make fun of the, the very science based end of the fitness industry. He'd be like Mm. enough of the science nerds, just go in and train hard. And I loved that in high school. Then when I got really into the science based end of the industry, I hated it. I was like, no, like you do have to pay attention to the science. Like, what are you doing? You can't just disregard it. Now I'm going back towards that being like, enough of like the science and nerd like just go in and train hard so like Mm -hmm. when you're talking about going in and focusing on like working hard the intensity with every rep it's like and also 
listen, it might not be on paper or scientifically like the the most science backed program, but you're still you're going to get great results if you're consistent with it and you work hard and especially if you enjoy it if you love it you go in there it's like you might not give your client that type of a program but if that's what you love like you know what to do to make it work yeah absolutely and i think i know i know him through you now that you explained his background um dude you're 100% right on the love hate relationship with science for I mean, because we can all choose our relationship with anything, but also because intuition precedes science. Like there haven't been enough good enough studies. Like there's a lot that science hasn't gotten to yet. Right. Right. And uh, you can just look at, you know, a common example is the golden era of bodybuilding in the 60s and 70s, those guys were ahead of the curve on a lot of their training methodologies without any science to back up what they were doing. It was based on just self-experimentation and, and intuition. And um, yeah, I like I it applies to nutrition for me too, right? I enjoy having a scoop of protein powder and three jelly sandwiches after my workout. <laughs> Just <laughs> like Im- immediately after my workout. <laughs> and would I ever tell a client they have to do that? Absolutely not. Because I don't want to get someone who doesn't love fitness into some weird all or nothing mindset where they have to check 72 boxes in a day. I want to give them what they, the few things they need to do to see 90 plus percent of progress so they can maintain that for the rest of their lives. Right. But guess what? I love jelly sandwiches. And when I have 350 grams of carbs on a training day, <laughs> you know, and you I wake great. up and I, I have some coffee, I get a lot of water in me, have 25 grams of protein before my workout. And then I have my pre-workout. Like I'm, I'm going to dial in everything around there because I love it, because I like routine, because I feel better after, because I like the taste of what I'm consuming. And you know, does does keeping fat under three grams in the post-workout meal really matter? Probably not, but, you know, would I rather have that fat at dinner time? Absolutely. So that's, yeah, I'm, I'm having fun with it while also keeping a real routine around my fitness for five days. And that has made me feel really good and made me happier and more productive in other areas of my life. Are you listening to music while you lift or podcasts or, or what? Dude, I, I love that you asked me that because that's something I'd thought about wanting to talk about. Um, recent, not recently, in the past few years, I've caught myself reading Twitter, listening to like controversial YouTube <laughs> arguments, like, <laughs> like yep. consuming things while working out, kind of multitasking it, right? Um, or even educational podcasts, but consuming various things. Um, and I've been listening to music and I've been listening to what I was listening to in 2011, 2012, after I quit my job and like loved those workouts, I'm putting myself back in that place, which is I'm not going. So there's two types of workout music I like. Okay. One is, is like a, you know, a teenager that got dumped and now he's got like, you know, whatever DMX or some kind of rock breaking Benjamin and you're just angry. Oh, and breaking you're, Benjamin. Yeah. PR and week over week and you're just pissed. Eminem falls in that category for me. It's not what I'm doing right now. I feel like I'm training for the love of the game and it's, it's all kind of EDM 
archetype, that like vibe. Got which, it. Which which makes sense on a on a higher rep kind of pumpy type of training. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I like that. I I fell into that too, whether it was listening to podcasts or whatever it was. The issue was it's hard to take a set too intensely to like a certain degree of intensity if you're also trying to hear an argument or discussion, not to mention the emotional response you have to that discussion. It's like Mm -hmm. you can't really focus on your set, not to mention keeping rest periods where they need to be because you like want to listen to the rest of the sentence or whatever as they're saying. It's uh, I, I really like phone, do not disturb, get on some Eminem, Breaking Benjamin, whatever it is. And really, I, I remember what, like, I'm just going back to my like powerlifting heyday. I remember walking to the gym with Breaking Benjamin playing and I was on my college campus. I hated everybody <laughs> and, and just like pumping myself up for this lift that I could not wait for. It's the thing that I looked forward to all day and literally like feeling me getting ready to just go bananas in the gym Mm -hmm. just like Mm -hmm. and i'm picturing you like now get driving to the gym getting ready like getting in the zone like really bringing an intensity to your training that i think as coaches we often we we don't we lose throughout the years often i think it comes with in a weird way i think that comes along with the such a focus on that science-based knowledge where it's like well you know you could uh you could do this and you could do that and like realistically it doesn't matter as long as it's like i think it comes with that the knowledge which is all good to have but when when you know it's all it's funny i think the more into the gray area you get right that we all talk about that's so important to find Mm -hmm. i think the less intense we often take things right Mm -hmm. so it's like well you know you have to find what works best for you and you could do this or you could do that but like when you get into your zone of like this is it this is what i gotta do it's like this very dogmatic stance even though you might know in your heart that's not right for everybody when you can get in that place for you i feel like that's when the best workouts happen (laughs) absolutely that's absolutely right could not agree more uh can you relate any of this to your daily jujitsu sessions right now? Man, my daily jujitsu sessions today was the most intense one thus far. Today was the most intense I've trained in the little over a year of jujitsu I've been training. Fought wow. for, thir- for 30 minutes straight. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, fought for 30 minutes straight. A- against the same opponent? Different opponents? Uh, so I had one opponent for the first 20 minutes. Then I had another opponent for five minutes, then went back to the first opponent for the last five minutes. Um, you got, got a little break and then came back for you. Well, it is sort of a break because it was actually the opposite of a break, mainly because the guy that I went to after the first opponent was a blue belt. And I'm a white, so I was going against a white belt for the first 20 minutes. No, no, no. I'm saying he got a break. Oh, he got a break. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he yeah. got a break. And I went and got my ass kicked. I got choked out by the blue belt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, the the interesting thing about jujitsu for me right now is when I, I think when I first started, it was actually very much like that. It was very intense, like very in my mind, like, all right, let's go. But the better I've gotten at jujitsu and the more I've learned, the more my coach has been like, this is probably the biggest distinction between jujitsu and wrestling. Wrestling is very like, go, 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 nose to the grindstone, like 
technique is important, but not as important as long as you can brute strength and, and work your way through it. Jiu-jitsu, if you do that, you're going to get caught in something. Um, so in terms of like actually during the session, uh, I'm, I'm getting way better at being calm during the session, being more collected. But I will say, I mean, I'm training jujitsu six times a week. I'm doing sprints twice a week and I'm starting to lift two to three times a week. Like this training schedule is outrageously intense. And when I'm doing my sprints or I'm doing my lifts, I'm putting M&M on, I'm super intense about it. My nutrition is dialed. I've lost eight pounds in eight weeks. Like I'm feeling like my sleep is really good. Everything is, is super, super dialed to a point where it hasn't been like that. in literally years since before I started coaching Gary. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, even though the intensity of the session isn't the same as it would be in like a powerlifting bodybuilding style workout, the intensity I'm bringing to my training overall and the mindset that I'm bringing to my training and the, the, the overall focus I have on my training being like very unrelenting, just like over the top is something I haven't had in years. And I'm super excited that it's, I mean, I, and I've been sustaining this for, for months now. Uh, and I've just noticed myself getting better and better and better and better. So yeah, feeling great. Super excited about it. That's amazing. And when I, like, when you say intensity, you can, like, intensity can mean within a session, but intensity can also mean, uh, like, a, a macro degree of focus, meaning, uh, is it 8 a.m. or 7 a.m.? Like, it's every single morning, yeah. which, which puts a pillar in your schedule, which means you have to be in bed by a certain time if you want to perform reasonably the next morning, mm -hmm. which means it, it makes your sleep schedule consistent which gets you in a better routine. And if, you know, I think back to what you've talked about with times with Gary, where business was the very top, you know, making content, helping people. But when that happens and you don't have as much of a pillar, like things can begin to slide, which, you know, might benefit your business in the short run, but in the longer run is, is hurting you in other ways. Yeah, I agree. It's, I, I think it's really being like ruthlessly consistent with this schedule is what it's about. Right? It's like just yeah. consistent, consistent, consistent. And I think another thing I've noticed when, when my business was number one, like that was it above all else, above sleep, above nutrition, above working out, like my business was number one above health and relationship, everything. When that was number one, I did things that were not good for me in many, many ways. And the one that I go to right now is putting up with people on social media who were just, in today's words, we'll call it toxic. People DMing me being super rude and obnoxious. And now that like I'm really focused on training, really focused on nutrition, really focused on my relationship, it's like I have no problem saying fuck off. Mm -hmm. which is a really, it's a great mindset like for me to be in. It's like, you know what, if you're not going to serve me right now and, and what my goals are, I've now gotten to a point where I'm like, you know what, I'm not even, it's, this is going to stress me out. It's not worth it. Not worth well, my and, time. I'm going to focus on even, the people. Yeah. Not even serve you, but like actively bring you down, actively bring yeah. your mood down, actively like, you know, be a detour in your day. Yeah. A hundred percent. Nice, man. So I think it's a, we were talking about it on the phone yesterday. I think it's, it's an interesting topic to have a discussion around this idea of, uh, it, 
with our clients in the fitness industry, we always, 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 always err on the side of caution and really trying to take people away from this obsessive mindset with regard to training and nutrition because in in the wrong hands, it can be very detrimental, right? A, a very obsessive uh, style of training, very obsessive style of eating, an overly fo- focus on nutrition and calories. Um, but for us, I think for coaches, when it is what we love and we also have the the understanding of sort of where that line is to draw the the knowledge yeah the knowledge needs to precede any kind of like what could be perceived as obsessive behavior yeah because without the knowledge then an obsessive behavior around nutrition is going to lead to i don't know maybe a degree of impatience why am i not losing weight fast enough i'm going to continue to reduce calories further and further And then I binge and it's like, okay, well now I need to take them even further to make up for that, right? Like knowing these pitfalls and and these traps and just having enough knowledge to have proper expectations for one's progress can let you, uh, you know, go into another gear if you want to. One thing you've said consistently for a long time that has made sense to me is you always get more excited either about making content or 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 coaching when you're really focused on your training and nutrition. Like when you're hyper focused on it, it makes you more excited and makes you love what you do more. And I think I see a lot of coaches. Uh, one of the most common things they say is like, "Well, I I just don't know what to make content about." It's the most common common thing that I hear, especially from a social media perspective. It's like if you're going to the gym and you've got a you spent just an hour and a half designing your own workout program, like you're super excited about it. You're being wicked intense with it. You're focusing on it. You're excited to see your progress. You're keeping track of your nutrition. You're noticing your body changes. You're never for a lack of content because you can you're always excited about what you're doing. And from there you can just talk about that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's it's can be the foundation of your content. I mean, that's that's Gary's document, Don't Create, which was, you know, I, I think maybe largely aimed at those types of questions. Like, what should I make? Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you have no idea what to make, talk about what you're doing right now and then let your content grow from there. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. But you're 100% right. I have I'm I'm a better coach. I'm I'm more engaged. I'm more interested when I am uh, doing what many of my clients are doing simultaneously. And n- not only that, I I brought this up to you on the phone yesterday. Um, you know, for for example, here's a nutrition example that it's probably not completely necessary to track proteins, carbs, and fats. So long as your carbs and fats are in a reasonable range, having your proteins and protein and calories close is going to be good enough, right? Assuming you're not like taking fats to zero or taking carbs to zero. But when I'm tracking and, you know, on say Monday, I was walking through the grocery store Monday afternoon and I looked down at my app and I click it and I'm like, here's how much of each thing I have left. And I was like, okay, what, what should I 
make for dinner? What should I buy for dinner tonight so that I can get close on this? And all these food options are running through my mind, right? And I've been big on some of the gut health stuff recently. So I was like, what can I have with sauerkraut? It's like, I could have a brat with sauerkraut. It's like, I don't really have the fats. And I was like, well, I can have a chicken brat. Long story short, I'm really deep in the weeds of thinking about a handful of specific foods I can make for certain situations. Yep. That, that is very useful advice for clients, for people who follow you on social media, for anything you want to make content around. Now, one might argue, like a coach could argue, it's too obsessive to try to track macros because you're going to be spending all your time thinking about what you can have for dinner and, and you know, that's not good. And for a lot of people, that's not good, right? You don't want to spend 10 hours a day thinking about what you're having for dinner every day. But if what you may have otherwise been doing was, you know, reading political arguments on Twitter for three hours and getting yourself <laughs> in a really bad mental place and, and in a bad posture in a dark room and being unproductive and, and not feeling the best, um, or even just, you know, letting your mind wander to game planning how you could survive a potential doomsday or like <laughs> any, any kind of like anxious, like looking into the future, negative states of emotion. But instead you're thinking about, you know, the chicken, chicken bourbon apple has 13 protein and five fat. That's really not bad. Two of those could go nicely. And you're putting a meal together. That trade-off of where your mind is, is an upgrade. And so, yeah, that was, that was a, a thought I had when I was like, am I being obsessive about this? And then I was like, well, what would I be doing otherwise? <laughs> Many times. Yeah, that's that's a good point in terms of like choose your obsession, right? Yeah. It's like are you going to obsess over things you can control or obsess over things you can't control? And I think mm. right now this is one of the biggest things. It's like there's so much nonsense going on in the world right now. There's so much things that I don't even know if nonsense is the right word, but there's just so much. I think that the right word that I'm actually looking for is just blech. Right. It's just like, there's just so much blech going on in the world right now that mm -hmm. like the vast majority of which you cannot control. Mm -hmm. and a lot of uncertainty. Uncertainty, anxiety, fear, worry, hate, divisiveness, blech, just all of it. It's like you can either, and, and I think this is what really for a while put me in a very bad place mentally was just without even my being aware of it, I was just constantly focusing on things I couldn't control, uh, mm. whether it was Twitter, Instagram, and, and granted, like a lot of what I do is on social media. So I was on those platforms and sort of just getting sucked into this world of stuff I couldn't control. And it wasn't, and then finally I got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm taking time away. Like I like even if this hurts my business, even if this like I'm I'm gonna focus so intensely on jujitsu, and and that's like literally it. Like studying jujitsu videos at night, doing sprints for my jujitsu cardio, doing jujitsu six days a week every single morning. No excuses. It's happening. Like. I'm going to so intensely focus on this one thing. Someone might say, you know what, that's not good for your joints, or maybe that's a little bit too obsessive. But I'm like, listen, I'm going to choose what I'm obsessing over right now. Mm. And I know for a fact that this obsession is better for me than an obsession that is bringing me down mentally, emotionally, and that I have literally zero control over. I love that. Clip that. That was great. <laughs> that really, 
it it reminds me of someone who used to, you know, an an elder relative who used to tell me when I would leave the house to go to work out or go do something. Uh, don't work too hard. Like don't <laughs> don't work too hard at the gym. You don't want to work too hard. And I'd always be like, why not? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? Watch Hey Arnold all day? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it came from a good place. But um, yeah, I love that. Choose your obsession. Let let me drill down on that for a second. So you have vastly increased the amount of both rolling and just kind of work physical and and mental and studying work around jujitsu that you've been doing Mm -hmm. in terms of hours per week. Um, And you said you were stepping back from social media, you know, making the decision to step back a little bit from social media to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, you've clearly done that right with, with your training has your content output actually gone down because I, I remember I remember you making a post that you were going to be taking a step back from Instagram and then you, you fired off like four feed posts the next day, like a champ. Kim Schlag made a super funny comment to me. Uh, I said literally one day I'm taking time away from Instagram and the next day I posted twice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's since that post, I mean, if you look through my feed, you'll find time periods of two, three, four days in a row where I didn't post on my feed. Okay. Uh, and okay. So that, that is a- is unheard of in the context of the last four years. Um, Got it. And as a result of that, I've spent way less time consuming, which is that was really, I think, the major issue. Um, I will so say, though, so your like, time your time producing content has maybe come down some, but your time consuming content has come down quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. A lot. Absolutely. Um, I've also, I've also realized which platforms were causing me the most stress. So like Instagram was the one causing me the most stress. I've since switched to TikTok, which has been exploding. And the thing about TikTok is making a video on TikTok is a fraction of the time it takes to make an Instagram post. So I've actually been, I've been posting on TikTok usually at least one to three times a day. It takes me about the time it would it would take to create one Instagram post and the organic reach is way better and comments aren't highlighted on TikTok. So I'm not really worried about that. It's very easy for me to scroll by a piece of content I don't want to see or might stress me out. Um, my, my block finger has just been super strong on TikTok. If I see oh, yeah? any, any, not even because of anybody who's saying anything to me, but because on the explore page on like the for you page, uh, I'll see something that immediately I'll notice something. It doesn't make me feel good. I block the account. Even if I don't know them, it's just like I block mm. it. I don't want so, to see that so stuff. So it's not going to serve you that up again. And, yeah, because the algorithm will know, okay, he doesn't like that type of content. Um, so, Smart. Yeah, so bet- mainly I think TikTok and, and podcasts is where the majority of my um, my time has been spent in terms of work. Uh, and that's been that's been amazing. So I don't know if that, yeah. That's where I've been focusing right now. And and also when I when I'm focusing more on what I can control, jujitsu and all that stuff, it's just it's super gratifying to go in the next day, put it into practice, see it actually work. Sort of the same thing when you're going to the gym. It's super gratifying when you put in several weeks at the gym, you see your strength going up, you can see the differences in the mirror. It's it's the whole thing I talk about, like action leads to motivate action leads to results results lead to motivation motivation leads to more action it's just when you obsess over something like that 
and you see the results coming through, it's like, man, you don't want to stop. It's, it's the most, it's, it, I think it's literally the single best thing you could do, especially in a time like right now when there's so much blech. It's like find something you can control, go all in on it, obsess over it, and go until you don't want to do it anymore. Go until you don't love it anymore. If, when you stop mm-hmm. loving it, find something else to obsess over. But mm-hmm. I'm really big into the obsessing over things that do good for you right now. I love that. Did you know in 2012, when I first started my business, before I had a website, before I had anything, uh, I made business cards. Okay. <laughs> you know, like that people used to hand out to each other. Yeah, and I had it, business cards and business pens. <laughs> you <had> pens? <laughs> yeah. On my business card, it said Mike Vacanti on the regimen, owner and founder. And then on the backside, it said, and there's one of these sitting like, you know, in a random drawer in my parents' kitchen still here. It says, change your body, change your life. And what you, what you were just describing about the, the process of improving at jujitsu and how that's motivating and makes you want to keep improving, that can be applied to anything in life. And the physical world is a great microcosm or a great representation that can almost serve as a, a base for us to apply those principles in business, in relationships, in, in personal finance, in habits, in any other area of our life. Because the same qualities required to you know the the qualities aligned with this obsession that you that we are choosing for ourselves you know you have to make sacrifices you have to go to bed by a certain time you have to have your nutrition in a reasonably good place you have to you know the hours of studying and being on the mat and doing sprints and all of these things are hard um and everything else that goes into it doing that version for other things in life makes you better in those areas of life. And I don't think it's necessarily that like being really into your fitness makes you healthier and therefore a healthier person can do things in other areas of life. I think it's much more mental. It's like I'm showing myself this blueprint here with fitness and then it, it, it makes it for whatever reason apply to other parts of life. Yeah. I like that a lot. I was, as you were talking, I was thinking back to something you said earlier about like the, the family member of yours who was out of a place of love saying like, don't work too hard. Don't work too hard. And I was thinking at every point in my life that I've obsessed over something, I've never regretted it. Ever. And there's always been people saying, don't do that. So whether it was when I was in college and I was in my dorm room by myself, like reading Lyle McDonald or Alan Aragon or writing my art, whatever it was, or I'd be like, ah, come on, stop working so hard. Don't obsess over that. You're being obsessive. Or whether it was powerlifting when I was chasing my, my powerlifting goals or you're training too much. You never miss a workout. Come on. Like da da da. Whether it was like you're signing on for literally three years straight every day with Gary. Like that's insane. Da, da, whatever it is. Like every step along the way, there have always been people saying, stop obsessing over it. Stop obsessing over it. And I think it's always come from a good place. I, I think every single time there's been good intent behind it, 
But when I get to a point in which I stop obsessing over it and I look back on it, I never regret it. There's never like I'm all even even during the times when I had an unhealthy relationship with food, like when I obsessed over food because of wrestling or or the disordered relationship with food that I had as a result of it. I'm, I, I don't regret it at all because without that experience, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be able to make the content that I make. I wouldn't be able to relate to the people that I relate to. You know, I think there's clearly a line that needs to be drawn here where obsession can go too far, clearly. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say like just obsession for the sake of obsession is a good thing. But I do think that maybe we should start taking a different look and looking through a different lens at obsession and understanding, you know what, like I, it's, I sort of look at it like programming, right? It's like obsession for brief amounts of time and brief is, I think very dependent on what it is you're doing and whatever it is, but it can depend on, on how long you need to spend on it. But brief periods of obsession can give you more experience, more results, more motivation than a lifetime of more of a lackadaisical approach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's true. I think the difference, like you talked about taking obsession too far, I think the difference between, for example, your quote-unquote obsession with jujitsu right now compared to uh, a, a, an obsession that led to a disordered relationship with food back in the day is knowledge that's the difference one one is an intelligent obsession it's coming from a place of of control it's coming of a pr- place of understanding what you're doing and what the result will be whereas you know when you were in high school like younger when you obviously if you would have known what you know now about nutrition and psychology you wouldn't have gone that route right that's exactly right yeah i agree and, and i also and, just think yeah sorry keep going no, just that's that's the difference for anyone who who is listening to this and and might not be comfortable with the word. That's the difference, whether it's intelligent obsession or whether it isn't healthy obsession. Healthy <laughs> obsession. <laughs> healthy, uh, yeah, healthy knowledgeable obsession is probably the the best way to look at it. And I'm also just sort of going back to the beginning of the discussion, thinking about when you're when you have so much order and you have so much um so much focus on one thing that gives so much order to your day Mm. the rest of the day becomes so much easier i was literally thinking about this yesterday and i was on a podcast and i used this example imagine your day is this like big block of play-doh just like Mm -hmm. sort of like wettish clay play-doh whatever it is it's just a big glob and then you have your like your workout, my jujitsu, whatever it is, like that starts to mold one little bit of it. Maybe it's like it takes up 90 minutes of your day between travel there, travel back, the workout, cool. So it just it molds one part of it. You take flossing, that's like a small part of it. You take brushing your teeth, that's a small part of it. You take brushing your bed, that's a small part of it. You take going to bed by a certain time, that's a small part of it. You take so all of a sudden you're taking these very small parts of your day. And each small part starts molding that clay, that Play-Doh into what could be your perfect day. And I think 
it's these small little things over the course of the day that allow you to mold your day into what it would ideally look like. And not every minute is going to be perfect, but if you don't get the workout in, or if you don't floss your teeth, you don't make your bed, you're missing integral components that can shape your day into what you would like it to look like. Mm -hmm. But even if you miss one of those things late in the day, here's where the mm -hmm. knowledge comes in. That's you're, right. You're not, you're not done with the plan the next day. Yes. You're you get right, right back, back on, on. And, and you're going to make that day perfect the next day or do the best you can given the circumstances. But, but I, I love that, especially because if you think about what the alternative could be to your first and second activity of the day and how that impacts the rest of your day. Yeah. Right? Like if you, if you think about, you know, some of the worst things for me personally, I'm watching the show Shooter on Netflix. So good. Like an, an episode before bed, even half an episode some nights. Which I don't is, know how you do that. Is weird apparently. Yeah. Like it's the uh, weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. I like watch, watch half an episode. I like watching movies in chunks too. I don't know. I <laughs> I really enjoy it. <laughs> but when I open my computer to start doing emails, it's still on Netflix. It's still on Shooter. And the worst thing I could do when I first wake up is watch 25 minutes of that because I've done that before. Because if I do that in the morning, then I might watch multiple episodes. Then I, <laughs> you know, my head's all over the place. It just, it's not the right way to start the day. I don't have any momentum. I'm using kind of my my freshest, best, like a, a good caffeinated period towards mindless consuming. It just doesn't line up. And so by, if you're thinking about that chunk of clay, really, if you're trying to mold it into something, I think orderly, I think that was the right word. Uh, you're really just kind of like making a weird smash part at the very top. And, and it's hard to, to get the whole thing in balance as a result of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I, I think what you said, going to like almost practical use of all this, I think what you said about, so I laid out like, this is what like your ideal day will look like. And then you're like, but just because you might not have had a good day or you missed it, this is where the knowledge comes in. This is you get back on track the next day. That's the difference between healthy obsession and unhealthy obsession. Yes. I exactly. think that literally is like the the nucleus of where you can decide, is this good for you or is this not? Are you approaching this from a good way or not a good way, from a healthy way or an unhealthy way? If you have a quote unquote bad day and you are devastated. And you like it not not only does it devastate you, but it prevents you from getting back on track. You think all of your progress is ruined. You're like it ruins your relationship with your family and your spouse and your kids and everything. Like that is an unhealthy obsession. If if missing your workout causes you to blow up at your family because like it's just like, oh my God, I ruined all my progress, this is an unhealthy obsession. That's not okay. But mm -hmm. when you can have that knowledge and experience to know, listen, like ideally, yes, I would have gotten it in, but something happened. I'll get back on track tomorrow and I'll keep crushing it. This is where you have that healthy obsession and that like that hyper focus. I also, I almost think of, uh, I don't know him at all. I've never met him or spoken to him. I just like Jocko's content. I just like Jocko and the how he speaks and what he says. And uh, I love that every day he wakes up and he puts the time he woke up on his Instagram and it's like four or 4.30 every day, whatever it is. It's just like, I think a lot of people might look at that and be like, it's an unhealthy obsession, but I'm like, I think 
I mean, I don't know how he is in his real life, but being that regimented is, I would imagine, makes him so outrageously productive and puts him in such a good mindset that mm. it's just, it's a very healthy way to go about it. Yeah, I don't think you can do that from a bad place or do it unhealthily or or do it if you're depriving yourself of sleep and be consistent for years and years yeah, on end. I, I, exactly. I think, you, I think you burn out when, when it is unhealthy. Um, what you just described, that that difference between healthy and unhealthy, which is part of it is when you make a mistake, that's okay. And you get right back on track the next day. I think that that ties into our conversation about uh, caring too much about kind of what the evidence and what the science says in that it almost creates a little bit of arrogance or a little bit of, of uh, you know, I don't know how exactly to describe it. As a coach who maybe at times doesn't care that much about your own fitness, you can rationalize several, call them quote unquote mistakes, uh, going off the plan you created for yourself. We'll call it that. You can rationalize going off the plan you created for yourself multiple times a day, day after day, because you know that you could at any point mm. be right back on track. And, and you know that like, you can't fuck this up. Like you, you know consistency over perfection. You know that that you don't need to be obsessive to see progress. But then you almost use that as yes. as an excuse to just I don't I'll I'll miss the workout today. I'll you know it's not even like a, a family event and everyone's having pizza and so I'll have pizza too. It's it's more like okay we had a healthy dinner as a family, but <laughs> I kind of want to eat a whole Ben and Jerry's right now and it doesn't work in my day, but. I'll get right back on track tomorrow. Like <laughs> this, I mean, I've seen that. I've seen that bleed into how people coach their clients as well. I've seen that misinterpretation of flexible dieting constantly, where people get so wrapped up in the oh, well, I can just get back on track that they never actually are on track. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's yeah. like I think it's such a good point, and I went through this myself. I mean when I was high level competing in powerlifting, I was super lean all the time, felt really good. Like I, it wasn't really that difficult for me. Um, but I was much more rigid and strict with my nutrition. I was on point. And then once it was over and I was like, ah, you know what? I'd rather have more, more pizza and whatever. And I would, but there's also the, you know, like there's also the eating the pizza when I don't need to like going to Joe's or whatever it is just to grab a couple slices of pepperoni when there's literally zero reason to. And like taking it to the point of just getting too, we could call it getting too comfortable and just, and not being regimented enough. Like there, there is a certain level of regimented of being regimented that I think is essential for both happiness and progress. And I think if we go too far towards not being regimented at all, because we always know, well, we can get back on track, then I think we end up losing out on a lot of the benefits of having a regimen. Absolutely. 100%. Things are too easy for most of us. And and a little extra discomfort mm. would would benefit us in many areas of our life. It's kind of the you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if part of the reason that I feel a little bit more clear and and a little bit more motivated and and maybe work a little bit faster and more efficiently and I'm having a good week is because I'm a little bit hungry. 
and and being just a little bit hungry creates a creates a psychological hunger, creates a, a level of energy that um, you know having half of a pizza puts you in in whatever the opposite of that, a more lethargic state, a more you know if I'm going to have three quarters of a box of wheat thins, like I'm not going to think my best or do my best work after that. Yeah, I think what happens is so for example like i'm doing my mini cut right now eight pounds down in eight weeks super super simple i mean we had the the secret mission trip where we ate a lot more like i've had some time time period off but overall average eight pounds down eight weeks like really good slow steady sustainable um if i wasn't on this mini cut it would if i was just normal everyday life per usual it's much easier to have quote-unquote treats on a daily basis like, and it's not even just like one small thing. It's like having dessert in large portions every day. And then all like whatever it is, or my girlfriend makes cookies and I have four of them. It's like, all right, that was a little bit ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and now, for example, we're, uh, we're, you ever should watch the show 24 Jack Bauer? I haven't. We're watching that now, which is great. But so last night, uh, she was getting some sour strips. She was like, do you want some? And I was like, no, like I'm on my mini cut. So I, I said, no. And uh, with all of the knowledge and experience that I have, it, it would have been very easy to fit that into my day. But just having like the the discipline to be on a program, I, I think that's really also what it comes down to is get on a program. Mm-hmm. That's really what I think like, I'm trying to say with this whole spiel is, Get on a program. It's you, and, We make and all these it. programs for our clients, for, for people, for social media. But I think the people I consistently see not following a program are coaches. Like, because they know what to do. They know it's easy to do it. They know like they know, all, but they're not following one. Get on a program. Mm-hmm. Your results will be better. Your clients will love hearing about it. Your your overall day and regimen will be better as a result of it. That's really where I, where I think I'm coming with this is get on a program and follow it consistently. Mm-hmm. That's like from my brain, like all right, practical application side. What can people do? Follow a plan ruthlessly, consistently. Yeah, I love that, and it will help you more than you think. Especially if in listening to this, you can relate to what Jordan and I are talking about, which is several years of not really being on a program. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm also thinking of other options maybe. So you have like your workout program. If you maybe you want to do a workout program, write one for yourself that you're super excited about. Focus on what you want to focus on. If you want to get a weighted chin up, do that. You want to get a muscle up, do that. You want to get like, um, you want to beat your mile time, whatever. You want to do a handstand, write yourself a program you're excited about and be unbelievably consistent with it and and track it and and document it if you want. You could also do, I was thinking, like if you've never tracked your macros ruthlessly consistently for 30 days track every single macro every protein every carb every fat track everything and maybe document that for your audience show them what it's like to track every macro i guarantee your knowledge in that realm will be significantly greater by the end of those 30 days Mm -hmm. you'll come up with a lot of content ideas and you'll be able to show your audience and your clients what that looks like. You might even be able to make a course out of that for your clients. You track your every macro for 30 days, make a mini course around that to give all of your clients. Like 
a lot of good can come from these brief periods of obsession and from following a plan. Yeah. Very well said. Do we have anything else we want to, we want to hit on this? No, I think we went longer on it than I anticipated, to be honest. I didn't know we'd riff on that for almost an hour. <laughs> yeah. Our, our, our plan here was we had this concept and just riff on it. I I think I, I think I hit everything that I was thinking about. Yeah, I love, I love that though. The, the practical application is get on a plan and consistently follow that plan. Yeah. Get on a plan and, and be disciplined with it. A, a plan that excites you too. Yeah. That's Wh- huge. Whether it's an end result that excites you or a process that excites you, like it has some kind of enjoyment baked into it. Um, something that I've done this week while I'm, uh, while I'm working out is also jotting down any thoughts I have that I feel like are almost like, like personal life rules. But just when, when something hits me out of the the cosmos and comes into my brain and, and I'm like, that's true. Like I know that to be true. Um, creating something is better than consuming something on average. Or if you're consuming, consume with precision and, and like be very meticulous about what you're consuming. Don't just consume mindlessly. Any of these thoughts that come to you, no caffeine after noon for me. I know you're not as affected with your sleep by caffeine, but I'm trying to keep daily caffeine under 300 milligrams. I'm trying to keep, you know, keep it stacked earlier in the day. But these, uh, these, these thoughts or truths that you think will help you better follow the program, better move towards the person you want to, to be, um, write those down and keep a list for yourself because I think that will help too. Yeah, I like that. And just to really hammer home again is doing something that you think you can really enjoy. So my mind, whenever I think of a program is I, I've always been, I've always more enjoyed performance-based programs. So sort of, I'm thinking if, if anyone's like, well, I don't know what, what I might enjoy, what program to follow. Immediately, I think of like trying in, in eight weeks, do an eight-week program specifically designed to increase your box jump. Right to try and jump higher. Mm. That for me is fun. That's like a very unique style of training program to write. It's a very fun program to write and a, and a very fun program to execute. Plyometric style training is a really fun, enjoyable for me style of programming to to do and to see the progress in. You know whether it's like cool, you have like a a thirty inch or and then you go to thirty one and a half, and every time you retest it, there's like you get nervous and you get excited about it. You don't want to fall, but whether it's maybe it's uh maybe it's a box jump, maybe it's a broad jump, broad jump being a little bit more safe. You don't have to worry about hitting anything on or falling down very much. Um, muscle ups, chin ups, pull ups deadlifts, um, going for something for time, seeing how many kettlebell swings you can get in 10 minutes, like pick up that 16, 20, 24 kilogram and seeing how many you can get in, in 10 minutes. That's going to be a brutal, brutal freaking challenge and program for that. Don't just program 10 minutes of kettlebell swings a day, program intelligently. What might that look like? Cool. So, you know, you want to do 10 minutes of kettlebell swings with a 24, with, with a, we'll call it a 20 kilogram kettlebell. Cool. So maybe, you know, you're going to have to have some max effort deadlift days. You know, you're going to have to have, maybe it would be a good idea to kettlebell swing at the 32 kilogram to make that 20 kilogram seem a little bit lighter. You like think about it and and sit down and write a, a tremendous program that you're super excited to execute and obsess over it, track your progress. It, that's fun. That's yeah. super, super. That's why yeah. one of the reasons you're a coach is because doing that is fun. 
I, I love the specific concrete example. And for anyone that that just appealed to, do that. You know, fo- go for one of those performance-based goals. I have, since high school, I've been motivated not at all by performance. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> like this is this is pure aesthetics for me. But the fun part of it is I'm trying to recomp. Like it's it's dumb to try to recomp, right? If you're like, it doesn't make sense, but I'm not doing this for evidence-based reasons. I'm not doing this for what makes the most sense. I'm doing it because it, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. I'm fortunate that uh, I I feel like I have a good, you know, quote unquote relationship with my, my physical body, my like, I'm not self-conscious about my body. I'm not doing this for any reason other than it seems fun. So, you know, if, if you're already pretty lean and, and maybe insecure, I wouldn't go the aesthetics route, just, uh, you know, pick, pick your goals intelligently, but Jordan just threw out the performance base and I was like, that sounds great for other people, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want to go get a There's... pump and a tan. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not nearly as versed in the aesthetic realm as you are, but I mean, I would imagine, you know, taking measurements of your arms or your glutes or whatever it is, watching them grow, like ch- keeping track of your weight, watching that drop, whatever it is. Like, and, I and think you know, there's a lot of, yeah. I don't e- I don't even take it that far because that would make me unhealthily obsessed. Got it, I, got it, got I, it. I just keep I stay around maintenance, go real high protein, stack protein and carbs around my workouts, and I'm doing like a lot of eight to ten rep range, you know, increasing volume over time. I, I like the maxim that if you're in the right rep ranges, or even if you're not, strength and muscle gain are gonna be correlated, right? If your food's in mm-hmm. a good place, sleep's in a good place. And so the the only real metrics I'm tracking are like I'm not even tracking weight. I'm just looking in the mirror, you know, day five. So but but <laughs> I'm I'm tracking strength because I have the best like mental relationship with okay, if I'm adding a right now it's adding weight to workout over workout, but it'll get to the point where if I'm adding a rep workout over workout, then I know I'm making progress in the right direction and great. If you, you, and this is where that knowledge comes in, right? It's like, you know, that if your macros are on point and you're getting stronger consistently, you're adding a rep with the same weight, whatever it is, you know, just logically you're going to be getting, gaining more muscle and losing more body. Like, you know, that it's like someone who doesn't have that knowledge will be questioning, is it working? I don't know if it's working. My strength was down today in this one lift. Maybe I need to change the the program entirely. It's like they they second guess everything. So, and then they program hop and they never are consistent with it. And this comes down to just, again, that ruthless consistency based on the foundation of the knowledge, right? It's like obsession without the foundation of knowledge becomes unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is the base with obsession on top of it, that's, I think, a recipe for success. Becomes a catalyst for your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a good place to to call it. I agree. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you do, please leave a five-star review. Huge thank you to everyone who's already done that, and especially the, the written responses. We really enjoy seeing those. So thank you. Love reading those. Thank you for listening. See you next week. <laughs>